0: This morning, we're continuing our uh, series over the course of Lent where we think about oftentimes what is considered the ritual of Lent and trying to expand our understanding of it a little bit so that we um, can better grasp onto what this season historically in, in church history has been all about. Um, last week we began, this week we're talking about humility. Next week we will be talking uh, about fasting and how we we think about how these disciplines, as well as others, bring us into that place in our hearts and our minds where the cross of Christ uh, becomes something even more transformative for understanding what he's given to us in his crucifixion and resurrection. That's the purpose of this season. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, and it completes on Easter Sunday and during this season. Um, Challenging you and challenging us as a community to think through some of these disciplines in different ways, encourage you through this time. Um, We are doing devotionals on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, mostly with some changes sometimes that happen with With schedules and stuff um, through these disciplines. So if you want to learn more about these things, the fasting one will be out tomorrow. Um, If you want to learn more about what it means to fast, please let us know in the office, front desk at therivercrc.com, and we will try to um, equip you as you walk through this season with some better tools to gain deeper understanding of what, um, how God calls us to prepare for this Lenten time. This morning I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, the first 17 verses where we're going to talk about what it means to live more deeply into humility as well as some other spiritual attributes. Um, but thinking about humility, it's, it's one of those things um, that people go to different levels in order to explore humility, especially during Lent. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of these sorts of images, but um, this is a season, especially when it gets close to Passion Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter, um, when we think specifically of the the um, uh, imprisonment and torture of Christ, that there are people all over the world who live into um, this idea of humility in some pretty intense ways. I don't think there's another way to say it. Perhaps you've seen images of people who will throw a cross, uh, literally have a cross on their shoulder, and walk for miles over a road. They're living into this idea of carrying the cross of Christ. There are certain I think they're believers, I'm not sure, who will go through what we call mortification of the flesh. Mortification and humility are sort of in the same family of ideas. And it's this idea that when we die, mortification, more deeply to ourselves, that we gain humility before God. And they will do things like even hurt themselves. They will take... And lash themselves. It's, I've seen images like that before. There are certainly during this season, this, this time mortification, people will take fasts to, um, you know, this, this, to the nth degree, take it as far as they possibly can and not eat anything or drink any water for even the whole series of, of Lent, which is physically very dangerous, of course. Now, fasting and some of these other ideas, there's some ideas there that can be really helpful for us to understand humility. But what is God calling us to to understand what it means to be humble before him and the world around us? That's what we want to work through. I don't think that God is calling any of us to go home, put a couple two-by-sixes together, and carry a cross through Redlands for the next several weeks. But he is calling us to certain places where we give up ourselves more so that he might become more. That's what we want to explore this morning in Colossians chapter 3 as we dig into God's word. Let's ask for God's blessing and presence during our time. Father, meet us. Through the power of your word, touch our hearts. Help us understand more about our standing before you, our need for you our brokenness without you, our inability even this morning to live holy and perfect lives. Lord, there are thoughts right now in this room, words that have been spoken, actions done this morning that already, Father, we can be humbled by, humbled by our desperate need for the Holy Spirit to come through your grace through the work of Jesus and transform us from what we are, broken, sinful, into what we are in you, holy, righteous, redeemed. Praying, Lord, in Jesus' name that you speak to us through the power of your word. May I fall away and words that are spoken here be your words to us. I submit to that, Lord, and may we all submit our hearing to that, that we hear your words for our hearts and our lives that then equip us to go from this place this morning, go love others, love you more deeply, and in that, know who we are before you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin with the first four verses. Colossians is right near the ends of your Bibles. If you go through all the Gospels, then you're going to hit the letters. You hit Romans, First and Second Corinthians. And then right after that, you'll hit the General Electric Power Company books. You're looking at the last of those, Colossians, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You're looking at Colossians. 3 verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on unearthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love these books, uh, these Pauline letters. Um, they're some of my favorite books. But one of the challenges that we have when we hit these books Romans, these books, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and Second Thessalonians is that theologically they're so rich and so deep. There's so much um, bigness here. And I want to walk you through some bigness in terms of theology and understanding who God is and who you are in your standing before him, as we look at this passage and we start with this, the idea that you're dead. Can you, can you say that? Say, I'm dead. Let's, let's read it. What does it say? It says, for you died, right? Verse 3. So your deadness, let's talk about what your deadness is. And it's certainly not one of those things where we're sitting here, you're like, Pastor Scott, I'm breathing. I can feel. Uh, you know, I can have thoughts. I, later on this morning, we'll enjoy cake and coffee and do different things. During the day. How am I dead? It's because in and of ourselves and the sin that we have already committed today, that we have lived into in the week past, that that sin has consequence. And there's no way around that consequence for us. And that consequence is clearly this, that sin kills. It kills us because with sin, our eternity is an eternity of judgment. So even if we go through the rest of this life in a level of perfection, even if we don't do another thing wrong, which we all know to be impossible, That because of whatever sin we have committed today or in days past, that ultimately whatever is at the end of us is full and complete death. Full and complete death being absence from God. So we have died in and of ourselves. But then we're reminded, of course, beautifully so, and praise be to God for it, that in Christ we have life. And that's what speaks to our level of humility, because I'm going to tell you, in the words of a 12-step program that some of you are familiar with, my name is Scott, and I have a problem with arrogance. Instead of saying I'm an alcoholic, I'm saying I have arrogance. And the truth is that all of us do, on some level, have a problem with arrogance for this simple reason. We have capacity. We have ability. You and I can, Lord willing, wake up in the morning, button up our own pants, feed ourselves, wash ourselves, take care of ourselves. And in that, we can, in our humanity, begin to gain this level of arrogance that we are all that and a bag of chips. But the problem is, we're hearing here that we're dead. So, no matter what we offer to the world around us, no matter what capacity that you have, you could be the the greatest athlete on the planet. You can be the greatest at whatever it is that you do. Teacher or nurse or or business person. You could be the greatest of a parent in the whole wide world. But in and of yourself, you're dead. So the problem with us having a sense of pride in what we are doing is that we're taking pride in dead things. Thus, God's call to humility. Now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying to you, okay, you stink and so think that I stink about everything. Instead, be able to say this. It's a good phrase to have. I've carried it with me for a long time. I thought about it and worked with it in youth ministry. I stink, but God doesn't. Amen. I stink But God doesn't. So anything that I am capable of carrying, I can only carry because of the life of Christ. Again, verse 4 here. That he gives to me. Which means that arrogance is just, friends, a foolish trait for humanity to have. We are dead. We carry nothing. Until we have God in Christ. And then we carry everything. So for us to be able to say, I stink. God doesn't. And in Christ, all things are made new. All my capacity is multiplied beyond what I can imagine or think of. All words that are speak in Christ have power and life and hope. All things that I do in Christ can change the world around me. I can live into these things in Christ in such a way that the world is different through his power and not my own. I'm dead, but he's alive, and in his life, as I live into it, change and transformation happen. Let's continue verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, And is in all. So what we're hearing here is, okay, you're dead. But in God you have life. That's what we've heard already. And now we hear because of that, change has to happen. And we read what those changes are, right? We read, okay, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. These are the things that we're supposed to put Behind, behind ourselves. And friends, I'm going to be honest when I think about some of you in this community. I think that there are many of you in this community who have done a really good job of that. I want to affirm you. There are some for whom sexual immorality may have been an image or an issue But it's something that over the course of your life you've worked on. And sexual immorality may not be an issue. Greed may have been an issue when you were in your younger years. But now it is not. God be praised for his transformation. And I'm so grateful for that. And there's sometimes when as older believers we call them senior saints, right? We use those phrases, senior saints. And we use those words, I think, oftentimes because we see in some of those people who are older and more mature in the faith, we see such godliness and beauty. I think of Virginia. What a godly woman she is. I think of Bob, for the most part. (laughs) A godly man he is. Think of some of our senior community members who have lived deeply in that. But notice the passage doesn't end. What does it say next? It says, hold on, let me get right... But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Now here's the funny part. We can call people senior saints, but I've met a lot of senior saints who will say to me, Pastor Scott, I still have an anger problem. Pastor Scott, I still say things or think things about people that I shouldn't think. Any of our senior saints have issues like that? All of you. In fact, one of my great mentors, his name was Joe. If you come into my office, I have a number of things that are important to me. They are mementos of people who have been in my life, and and um, I've had the what I consider the privilege and the responsibility of, of being at their funerals and, and giving words at their funeral. um, I have those things in my office. I have something for Joe. Joe was actually my first one. Joe was a mentor who, um, I think I was in my uh, early mid-20s, something like that, when I met Joe. Joe, I think at that time, was probably at least in his late 70s, if not his 80s. And Joe was one of those guys who in our community just held sway because he was such a godly man. He had um, a wife who had some mental illness issues, and he cared for her tenderly and with great servanthood. He was one one of those people who, when there was a need, he was the first one to try to meet that need financially or otherwise. He was a person who was present at the bedsides of those who needed encouragement or support. He was the sort of person who regularly, like every time that they could possibly be an elder, they were an elder because of the course of the years they just were so well regarded in the community that if his name was on the list, people, people wanted him to be an elder. He, he brought so much to the table. And Joe would often come in my office, he'd drop his wife off, who, she went to women's Bible study every Wednesday, and he would come into my office right after that, he'd drop her off over here, and then walk into the offices, he'd plop down in my office, and he'd say, Pastor Scott, how are you doing? Actually, at that point, I wasn't pastor, I was just, Scott, Scott, how are you doing? We would talk for a while. And I remember saying this to him at one point in our many conversations. There were probably 40 or 50 conversations over the course of several years that were remarkable and beautiful and God's gift to me. And I said to Joe, Joe, it just seems like God has done so much in you and transforming you. I want so much to be like you. And Joe looked at me and he got a little, little smile on his face And he said to me, Scott, you just don't know. You don't know what goes on in my head. You don't know the anger that I have at God because I have a wife who has struggled for so long and so hard with mental illness. You don't know the envy that I feel for some of my friends whose marriage is easy and simple and their family members, their daughters and their sons want to be around them. My kids don't want to be around me because my wife and that relationship is so hard. I'm envious all the time of these other people. And there are times when I've even spoken to my closest of close friends about my wife And how much there are times I don't hate her, I never will, but she just makes me crazy. Now here's a man who, from all intents and purposes and from the outside, looks like he has so deep and intimate walk with God, and yet we know, friends, that walking with God in intimacy and purity and holiness is a lifetime activity that we can never fully complete. We're not capable in and of it ourselves. Why? Because we're dead. And the only way that that transformation comes for Joe in his mind, in those thoughts, and in those struggles that he has, is that Christ comes and redeems. And so for any one of us to think, I'm going to get to that place where I can feel confident in my ability to walk with God, change those phrases. Change that thinking to, I stink. God doesn't. I need him to come in and continually make me new. And during this season of Lent, that's where we can live. We can live in that place of saying over and over and over again, Lord, whatever I have, I offer in my broken and impure way that you might come and make it new and transform it for your glory. That's humility. That's when we are walking humbly before God, recognizing our standing before Him in our desperate, let me use that word again, desperate need for Him in all things. Verses 12 through 14 say this. Therefore, so because of all that, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, Gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive one another as any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, you can't see this written in English the way that it is, but in the original Greek text, this is actually what is called an inclusio. I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O. An inclusio simply means this, that something is said first, then another thought is interjected, and then finally that first thought brings things around so that it includes encompasses a whole larger thought. This is an inclusio. You can see it. It says, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. So this idea of putting something on. Then we hear two verses about forgiveness. And then we hear this in verse 14. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's this idea of putting on an outfit that allows us to live into all the stuff that we're talking about here. And you see those traits, kindness, humility, gentleness, all that stuff. But I want you to think about this. How often do you get dressed? Anyone get dressed only once a week? Anyone get dressed twice a week? <laughs> some, of the, some of the kids are like, that's how often I change my underwear. I'm just saying. How many of us get dressed at least daily? I hope so. so. You got dressed this morning, right? You might even change your clothes. You're going to go home, take off your Sunday best, and then you're going to to get into your other clothes. You kids, you maybe had to dress up for church. They told you to dress up for church, and when you travel the day or do whatever you're doing, maybe you're changing your clothes. Every day we live into this being clothed with Christ-likeness. It's a daily activity, and in that daily activity, certainly we live into all of these things, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and then we bind them all together, sort of like the outer garment and the belt that ties it all together. We live into that with love. But again, there's an inclusio here, right? An idea that something at the beginning and then it is tied together at the end, but there's something in the middle. What's in the middle? What word is there? What word? It's an important word in those two verses right in the middle there. What is it? Forgiveness. Why would forgiveness be right in the center of this included passage of clothing yourself with Christ? It's because forgiveness has such power to help us live into these things. First of all, it says it this way it says that we should forgive others, correct? That's what it says. Forgiving others is hard work. How many of you think you have, maybe in some way, a forgiveness issue? You got someone that it's hard to forgive? I do, I got several. Forgiving is hard work. Why? Because it means that I give up some level of power over condemning that person for what they have done. That's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness, here's your quick definition. You want to write this down. It might be useful. Forgiveness is letting, let me me phrase it differently. Forgiveness is being willing to live with the consequences of someone else's actions. That's forgiveness. You can't change what happened, and you're willing to say, okay, it happened, it hurt. I'm willing to live with the consequence of those actions. That's hard work because there's some actions that we want justice for, right? We want people to be able to say, I'm sorry. If they say, I'm sorry, then we'll forgive them. That doesn't always happen. That's why it's hard work. But here's what's even harder. Asking for forgiveness. Because asking for forgiveness forces us to acknowledge our own standing of causing hurt before another. And in this included passage, we have all these traits that we're called to live into. Kindness and and humility. And right in the middle, we hear, And forgive. the simple reason that forgiveness gives us the power, a greater power to live into these other things. If you're wondering why you can't be gentle, maybe you have a forgiveness issue. If you're wondering why you have a problem with humility, you may have a forgiveness issue. If you're wondering why you can't show compassion to others, why you're an impatient person, you may have a forgiveness issue because forgiveness is a means and a conduit to the Holy Spirit that allows us to tap into the Spirit's transformation of us. Remember, Christ's prime work in the atonement is the forgiveness of sins when we forgive we're tapping into the power of Christ when we forgive we gain access to humility because we are giving up that power we're no longer the ones in control God is that's hard work let's conclude the passage 15 through 17 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, as we close this passage, what we're hearing is we're living into a Christ-centered heart and mind. You saw how the passage began. Have your hearts renewed. Have your minds renewed. The ground then is fertile for four things. Notice them. Gratitude. First of all, peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Later on in that same verse, be thankful, gratitude. The next verse, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. It's gospel proclamation. And finally, the last blessing is simply this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we live into these things, these, these attributes of God, The blessings begin to come. We're able to experience peace. How many of us need peace in this world? Here's a way. We can live out a life of gratitude. How many many of us have been given so much and yet gratitude is hard so often to give? How many of us want to proclaim the gospel better with our lives? Here it comes. Proclaiming the gospel is connected to us living into these traits of humility and forgiving one another and all those things that came in the previous section. And finally, living a life of worship. All of us who know Jesus long for that. We want to live into lives of worship, but oftentimes we're not sure how. It's by acknowledging right at the beginning. I'm dead. I stink. But God doesn't. And in him, I can know life. So friends, how do we live into this? How do we gain some insight on this over the course of Lent? Well, here's my encouragement to you. First of all, um, enter into confession. Okay? Confession of sin before God and before others is a really good activity. It helps us understand our standing before God, how desperately we need Um, Our sin's forgiven. But let me tell you something in my experience with others. Um, I will have somebody say something like this. Pastor Scott, I have an anger problem and I need forgiveness for my anger. Thank you for sharing that. I'm grateful. That's important. What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? How have you shown your anger problem? Well, I haven't talked to my wife or my husband very nicely. Okay, what did you say? And I will often tell people, don't tell me what you said. Write it down. Write down some of the hurt and the pain that you have caused others in your anger. Write down some of the slanderous words that you have used in the name, oftentimes of, oh, I'm going to pray for somebody, right? I'm going to pray for somebody because they're drunk. You're living into slander. Admit it. Be honest about our sin. Live into that time of confession. Be willing to sit down. Here's what I found. I did this once. Because I'm, I'm almost scared to do it again. I did this once at a spiritual retreat that I was at. And I sat down, and they had us sit in this, 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 find a spot that was quiet. There was this little chapel. No one else was there. It was in the outdoor. It was in this beautiful outdoor uh, retreat center. But they had this little chapel. I went to this chapel, and I sat down. I had a pad of paper, and I began to write. I began to write and just starting to think of all my own sin. And all of a sudden, I looked down after I didn't even realize it. God was in this moment. It was an hour and a half and I had six pages, six pages of my sin made manifest. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, that's a lot of sin, first of all, appropriately so. But is that what I'm supposed to do is just live into my sin? No. What you're supposed to do, what we're called to do during this season of Lent is acknowledge our own sin. Acknowledge your own brokenness. Acknowledge your contribution to your own death in sin. And then take all that stuff. And I don't care if you burn it. I don't care if you tear it up. I don't give it to, care if you give it to the dog to eat. Say in your heart and your mind, this is me and how much I stink. But as it goes away in the fire, in the garbage, in the whatever, as it goes away, you're able to say, but in Christ, I am made new. In Christ my sin has been forgiven. In Christ I have been relieved from my deadness into life. In Christ my brokenness my sickness my my inability, my own weakness has been transformed into all good things that now through Christ he calls me to live in gratitude so that the world might see what he does to those who are humble before him, understand what his life gives to those who are dead, and then can show the world who this Christ is so that they can see in their own desperation how much they need that. Friends, I want to encourage you during this Lenten season, make it a time of some confession. And here's what happens if we do that. My guess is that if you can walk through some honest, open confession, seek out places where there needs to be forgiveness, live into that level of humility and all these other traits that are here. That when you come on Sunday morning, and when this cross is transformed into new life, you'll see visually what we have planned on Sunday morning, that Easter Sunday. That it won't be just a transformation of what you see here. That it will be an even deeper transformation of what Christ has done in this season of Lent in your own heart. I'll be praying for all of us to that end. Let's pray. Hope of the world in Jesus Christ. Without you, we are lost. But with you, we have been made new. And Father, even as we have a willingness to name our own sin. Lord, may that sin only have the power to convict our hearts and our minds of our gratitude for you because we know that that's the only power it has anymore. You've taken its power of condemnation. You've taken its power of death away in Jesus. You've taken us, Lord, into new life. And this is not something that we ourselves are capable of doing. And in that, Lord, in that understanding, then may we have that humility that says, without you, Lord, we have nothing with you. with that, We have everything. We understand who we really are before you. And that identity then allows us to look at the world differently. Because there are people in our own lives who are struggling in the same way that we do. And we can be a part through our own humility of helping them understand, of encouraging them, of even forgiving them, introducing them to the power of your grace, Lord, and then, if it be your will, another life is transformed. Father, this is work that you can do in us, and I pray for those folks especially, and I'm one of them, who has an issue with pride, who has an issue with arrogance. Lord, there are times that I I do certainly see myself as a person of high regard and I see myself as I should not. Lord, continue that work of transformation in me and in our others and and those who need it, that we can see each other, that we can see ourselves for who we really are. People who are desperate for the need of grace. And when it comes, people who can rejoice in the goodness of God. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Amen.